So today I'm going to talk about ardency. In breath meditation practice, uh, we seek to develop these three qualities, mindfulness, alertness, and ardency. Whenever the Buddha teaches uh, about mindfulness, about mindfulness of breathing, uh, he invariably mentions, speaks to the importance of developing mindfulness, alertness, and ardency, these three qualities. So it's really uh, important. You know, I would sometimes hear about these three qualities, uh, kind of just sort of went past my mind, if you will. Uh, it just seemed like kind of flowery prose in the Buddha's teaching. Uh, let's get to the really meaty stuff. Uh, it took me a while before I really understood that it was important to understand what these qualities are. Uh, and of course, it's important to develop these qualities. These qualities have to be developed for the path to develop, for us to be able to practice mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is a is a skill through which we develop concentration and discernment and find freedom. But mindfulness has to be joined with alertness and ardency. So the more we understand what these qualities are, the more we'll be able to develop them. If we don't understand what they are, we won't be able to develop them. We have to understand what they are and how to develop them. So mindfulness is uh, the process, it's sometimes called the process of remembering, uh, the process of remembering to keep something in mind or to keep the mind on something. So when we're doing breath meditation practice, the practice, the process of mindfulness is keeping the mind on the breath, remembering the breath. Uh, we use directed thought to be mindful of the breath, to keep the mind on the breath. Alertness is is the quality of paying attention. So we make an effort to keep the mind on the breath and then when uh, we develop alertness, we're watching, we're paying attention. Am I keeping the mind on the breath? Are thoughts arising? Am I starting to chase after the thoughts? And then there's ardency. So ardency is staying with it, staying with it, continuing to practice mindfulness uh, in the case of breath meditation, to continue to keep the mind on the breath. Uh, uh, or if you want to use, as we often use in the form of analogy, you know, this, this class, you know, you're mindful of what I'm saying, you're alert to, am I continuing to pay attention? Or is my mind wandering to thinking about something else or judging or whatever? And then you're ardent, you're staying with it. Uh, so ardency is staying with it out of love out of love, out of wisdom, understanding that staying with it is in our best interests, and we, uh, we, we do what's in our best interests uh, out of love. So we stay with it out of love. This is ardency. Uh, ardency within that uh, process, staying with it out of love includes not giving in to thinking in the meditation, not giving in to the hindrances, not giving in to whatever is taking us away from the breath. 
So, so this was something that was very pivotal for me in my own practice. Uh, you know, there needs to be a quality of not giving in. Uh, we could think about it as, you know, uh, saying no, you know, saying no out of love, just say no. It's a little bit more than just that, but uh, it's not giving in to thinking the hindrances, uh, whatever is taking us away from the breath out of love. So, you know, when you uh, are seeing yourself giving in or beginning to give in to the thinking in the meditation, uh, it's really helpful to remind yourself that, you know, I'm going to stay with it out of love. You know, I'm not going to give in to this out of love for myself and all beings. I've often spoken about uh, this, I talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago, uh, that what I've come to see in my own practice, and of course in teaching, is that uh, you know, ultimately we stay with the breath in the meditation out of love for ourselves and all beings. We can make an effort to use directed thought, which is sort of a way of the first step of kind of forcing the attention onto the breath. We can cultivate an easeful breath, which uh, inclines us to the breath, but ultimately to really be able to stay with the breath and to stay in the present moment, uh, we have to be motivated by love because it's the strongest thing there is. It's the strongest motivation that we have. So, you know, for me, uh, and what I've often said when I've said this, is that this has been a process of learning this, right? You know, it's something that uh, I had to come to learn over a period of time, you know? Uh, and, of course, I had to learn over a period of time what it was to love and how to do that. So it's a process of learning to love uh, uh, that we engage in, in keeping the mind on the breath and practicing ardency. So, you know, as we're learning that process, of course, it enables us to develop concentration, but it also enables us to understand uh, what love is and how to love. So in our practice, uh, in meditation, and of course in life, because meditation is just a, really a microcosm of life, uh, we're going to experience lots of ups and downs. In any meditation, any period of meditation, if your experience is like mine, uh, it's not just going to be this smooth process of keeping the mind and the breath. There's going to be many times when you are going to lose the breath, when mindfulness, alertness, and ardency aren't fully established to the extent that, or established to the extent that they need to be established, and the mind wanders off. The mind wanders off. We go into hindrances, we go into thinking. So in, in the practice, there's going to be ups and downs. I always like what my teacher, Tanis Orbiku, would say, you know, we all want it to be, you know, any period of meditation or, or meditation practice in general, or life to be like a smoothly uh, upward reaching arc on a graph, you know, you know, but it's more of a jagged line 
ups and downs, ups and downs. It's moving up, it's moving upward, but it's a process of ups and downs that's gradually moving to the higher end. So we're gonna we're gonna meet difficulty in the meditation, uh, but through the difficulty we learn to love. You know, we learn to uh, uh, to to do what we need to do to move through the difficulty. We learn to meet our experiences with love. So we learn through our difficulty. We learn through our difficulty, uh, and that's that's the that's the proper way to approach the meditation. Yeah. So, you know, it's like really pivotal for us in our meditation uh, to be able to shift from uh, I got to get it right, you know, which is sort of a mentality that a lot of us come into the practice with or have, you know, I'm either doing it right or wrong or I did it good or I bet did it bad or if we struggle in meditation to think this was a bad meditation, you know, uh, to be able to shift from that to it's a learning process. It's a learning experience. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm going through a process of learning. So when we, when we do hit those downward points in the arc, when we struggle, when we have difficulty, we don't look at that as uh, a problem or like we're doing something wrong. It's a, it's a learning experience. It's an opportunity to learn. So this is really important for us as, as meditation students and in life and in life. So it's the proper attitude. It's the proper attitude. You know, I learned this years ago from the standpoint of a teacher. Uh, when I started teaching a lot, uh, and teaching a lot of beginners classes, some of you were in those classes, and I could just see how, uh, you know, and meditation is so difficult, right? In any period of meditation, the mind is wandering off in all kinds of directions, and people would get really frustrated and feel like I'm not doing it right, and feel like I'm doing it wrong, uh, and uh, uh, and, and, and get very discouraged about that, and and uh, you know it's kind of a mentality that you know maybe we're brought up in, you know, in a very accomplished, success-minded culture, you know, teaching meditation in New York City, you know, you know whatever. A lot of people who've achieved a lot of a success and a lot of things or whatever and expect that I'm going to get it right, you know, I'm going to take a couple of classes and I'm going to be on every breath, damn it, you know, and it's like, you know, that attitude is not going to, you know, that may serve you, you know, in, in your career to some extent, it's not going to serve you in meditation or really in life if you want to be happy. Meditation is a process of learning to be happy, you know, uh, and that sort of attitude, you know, so a lot of what I realized that I had to kind of teach and teaching meditation was, you know, the proper attitude. You know, this is a learning process, you know, we're going to make a lot of mistakes, you know, we're going we're gonna to falter, you know, it's going to be a lot of ups and downs. So we begin our meditation, you know, with resolve, a resolve to keep the mind on the breath out of love. Uh, you know, uh, we learn to develop our resolve through difficulty. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to have a resolve to keep the mind on the breath. If you're always able to keep the mind on the breath, then it's not hard to develop that resolve. It's hard to develop a resolve, you know, if it's not easy to keep the mind on the breath. But it's not. Uh, and what's going to be able to enable us to go forward 
is love. You know, uh, you know, if it's sort of like this desire to want to accomplish something or be somebody, uh, you know, you know, we're going to hit obstacles, and uh, you know, that kind of desire isn't going to serve us in our practice or in life. Uh, you know, the only thing that's going to really serve us. Uh, is is to be able to have a resolve to keep the mind on the breath, to keep the mind in a good place out of love. It's going to be difficult. You know, we're going to come up against the less skillful habits of mind. You know, the less skillful habits of mind, the hindrances, the thinking. You know, we're going to engage, you know, because we're going to do what we do. You know, this is karma, so... You know, in the meditation, our propensity is going to be to engage in unskillful thinking. All manner of unskillful thinking. You know, it astonishes me. You know, you know when I meditate on any day, you know, and it's sort of like, oh my God, look at what you're thinking about today. I can only imagine what it will be like tomorrow. This is hard, you know, this is crazy. You know, like what the mind is doing, you know. It's sort of like there's this storehouse of unskillful thinking. You know, that the mind is just chomping at the bit to engage in during any period of meditation, you know. Uh, so, you know, there's these habitual tendencies of mind. Uh, the mind has this habit of going off in all these directions. And, you know, 99% of them, I always say, you know, uh, you know, aren't in our best interests. So, you know... The thing of it is, is this thinking that we characterize as unskillful, you know, that's sort of almost euphemistic. I mean, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good way to characterize the thinking, uh, but, you know, what that really means is, you know, unskillful thinking is thinking that's, you know, not driven by love. It's driven by qualities of mind that lead us to suffering that lead us to suffering, desire, aversion, and delusion. You know, your karmic tendencies to engage in thinking informed by desire, aversion, and delusion. So, you know, I mean, you begin to develop this understanding, this wisdom, as you meditate. I mean, you don't have to think about it, you just start to see it. If you're paying attention, if there's alertness, you're starting to see, you know into the nature of this thinking. It's just clarity of mind that enables you to see that. It's not, you don't have to make a psychological analysis. You know, you begin to see that this thinking isn't driven by love for yourself and other beings. It's driven by desire, aversion, and delusion. It's your karmic habitual tendencies. So one of the things but, but, you know, I mean, you begin to see that, but it's also helpful to, uh, to support that seeing, to support that wisdom, right? Uh, so, you know, as the Buddha says, you know, this wisdom has to be there for concentration to develop, for us to practice mindfulness. You know, without wisdom, there's not concentration. We're not able to to be mindful of the things that we're able to be mindful of. We have to see when we're wandering outside of our proper territory into unskillful tendencies of mind. So uh, one of the ways that uh, 
we in the meditation, you know, uh, that we can begin to, uh, you know, and this again was very pivotal for me in my practice, was to begin to be proactive in uh, activating this very simple wisdom, the wisdom that uh, enables us to understand that what we're doing and engaging in this thoughts is not driven by love and compassion, but rather by unskillful tendencies of mind. What we can do is what I call bring insight to thinking, and that can, in a very simple way, be accomplished when you're engaging in a pattern of thought and meditation uh, by asking a simple question like, is this useful? Right? Is this useful? Uh, so again, you know, that question has to be asked, you know, with compassion uh, and just letting the question be there. Uh, you know, it's not, is this useful, you dummy? You know, is this useful? Which really what this means, of course, is, is it skillful? Is it informed by love? Is what I'm doing informed by love? Is this thinking informed by love? Or is it informed by some other mental quality, right? You know, so just asking that question, but understanding what that question means. Is this useful? Or is it skillful? Or is it in my best interests? Or is it serving me? But ultimately what it means, you know, is it skillful? Is it informed by love, compassion? That which is skillful is informed by love and compassion and leads us to freedom and happiness of heart. Is this thinking? useful. It's a simple question. You know, we don't want to be, again, analyzing, you know, but a simple question. You know, this is one of the ways that you begin to develop ardency. Once I started asking this question regularly in my meditation, I really started to develop more an ardency. You know, as I've said, you know, we have many ways of thinking that we, you know, and what you're seeing in meditation, of course, is you know, just an up-close and personal look at what you're doing all day long. You know, you're doing much more of it all day long because you're not paying as close attention to what you're doing. And I'm talking about your thinking. Thinking is an action, mental action, uh, something that you're doing. So we have many ways of thinking uh, that we begin to start to see in the meditation. But of course, it's the same ways of thinking that we're engaging in during the day. We have many ways of thinking that are not informed by love. That are not informed uh, by love and compassion, that are not in accord with love for ourselves or others. You know, most of these habits of mind are not. So we have many ways of thinking that are not informed by love uh, and that in the meditation take us far, far from the breath. Uh, so we have you know, these, this, these habits of mind that you know, we've been developing you know, over the course of our lives. Uh, and for that reason, you know, it often takes time in any period of meditation to abandon the unskillful thinking, right? Anybody ever notice that? It often takes time, yeah, like a long time in the meditation, you know? For some reason, we think that we're supposed to sit down and oh, no more unskillful thinking. Meditation is a process of learning to love ourselves and practicing love for ourselves. So it's a process 
of abandoning unskillful thinking, right? It's a process. It's a process. We're learning to love. We're learning to abandon unskillful thinking. And any period of meditation is this process of learning. So it often takes time to abandon the thinking in the meditation. You know, particularly in daily life practice, you know, because those thoughts, you know, you're engendering them a lot during the course of the day, you know. You know, it's like you go on retreat, you know, it's going to take you a while to abandon those unskillful thoughts, you know, maybe a couple of days, and then after a few days, there's a lot less, you know, but that's not a realistic tableau, you know, you're in your life, you know, you have to be more proactive in doing what it is that you need to do in the process and in the service of the process of learning to love yourself. That's why asking questions like, is it useful, are really important to learn to practice in daily life practice. You, know, you need to be more proactive in curtailing those habitual tendencies of mind in your meditation. a lot of stuff you know you're going to be thinking during the course of the day and you're going to be watching television or doing whatever you're doing that's going to be reinforcing those patterns of thinking so in the meditation you know this is why it's really useful uh, if we can put more time into our meditation you know put more time into our meditation because we need it we can all stand to meditate more, myself included. You know, we can all stand to meditate more. There's a lot of work to be done there. There's a lot of work to be done there in terms of the mind and its habitual tendencies, in terms of what we need to do in order to love ourselves. To learn to love is a big job. So, you know, if we can spend a little bit more time in that practice, the meditation is a practice, you know, will be well served. So this is what ardency is about. We keep at it out of love. We keep reminding ourselves to stay with the breath out of love. We keep reminding ourselves of our intention. I'm doing this out of love for myself. We keep at it out of love. And gradually we give into the thinking less and less through understanding that it's not in our best interest. Some of it is just through you know, making an effort to keep coming back, but that's only going to get you so far, particularly in daily life practice. This is kind of what I'm saying. Eventually, we give into the thinking less and less in our meditation and in life through understanding that it's not in our best interests and through love, that what is in our best interests is to stay with the breath and keep the mind in a good place and not go wandering down those pathways of thought thinking that's imbued with aversion, desire, and delusion. So ardency develops over time in a period of meditation and in life. You know, it takes time for love to develop. It takes time for love to develop. It takes time to change. You know, our ways of being in the world and in our meditation, you know, our ways of being and acting that aren't habitually, karmically informed by love. So it takes time to change that. It takes time to change that. 
sometimes the Buddha would talk about these habitual tendencies of mind as Mara. You know, Mara is powerful. You know, there's many powerful forces of mind, you know, that are that are personified by Mara, the, the, the forces in the mind, the unskillful forces of aversion, desire, and delusion. Mara is, a, is very powerful, but love is more powerful. Love is more powerful. It's, it's the only thing that will conquer Mara. It's the only thing that will conquer Mara. In time, if we stay with it, if we keep learning to stay with it out of love, we can conquer the forces of desire, aversion, and delusion. We can conquer Mara. This is the ancient law, the Buddha said. Only love conquers hate. Only love conquers... This is what he's talking about here. You know, on this very simple level, if you want your mind to be, uh, to be uh, imbued with love and compassion, which is your birthright, you have that capacity, uh, you have to, you know, I mean, you have to, you have to develop thoughts. We've been talking about this lot, a lot. You have to develop thoughts informed by love and compassion, but you have to act with love in the service of abandoning what, that which is unskillful. You're not going to conquer Mara by getting into a fist fight with him. You're going to conquer Mara with love. Love is what will see you through. So sometimes in the meditation, there's sort of, you know, and in life, there's sort of, that we might sort of conflate with love, there's sort of unskillful desire to abandon thinking or unskillful effort, like trying to push it away. You know, stop thinking or trying to push or force your way. You know, that's only going to get you so far. Sometimes, you know, and I kind of already alluded to this, our efforts to abandon thinking is driven by, you know, sort of this, uh, you know, ego-driven, self-identity-driven uh, tendency. You know, I have to get it right. I have to be good. I have to be the best meditator. I have to impress the other yogis and the teacher. Most of all, I have to impress myself, you know, and, and be the best meditator. Another pitfall, you know, that sort of can be conflated or confused for love is wanting results, right? So you have to be very careful in the meditation about wanting results. It's one of the reasons why Ajahn Jeff and, uh, you know, Tan, uh, Ajahn Lee really don't teach first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, because it's a setup for sort of this competitive way of, you know, wanting to achieve results, you know, and it kind of feeds, you know, our tendency for acquisition. Uh, it's antithetical to love. So love is a quality that drives action. It's not about getting something. That's, that's the koan for today. I came up with that. I was like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. It must be a koan. You know, love is a quality that drives action. It's not about getting something. It's about how we do something. The meditation is about how you do what you're doing, not what you're getting in the meditation, right? That's what we've been talking about a lot lately. So we have to be very careful about being focused on getting results. Be focused instead on how you're doing what you're doing like this moment right now, you know? Instead of trying to figure out what I'm saying or get something from the class, can we focus more on being here with love in this moment?
but we stay with it out of love. You know, in the meditation, it's love that will see us through. And there's mindfulness, alertness, and ardency. You know, then gradually, gradually, little by slowly, there's an opportunity to know moments of what we could call moments of awakening. So we notice these moments of ease in the meditation. You know, when we're ardent in, in not giving in to the thoughts, when we're ardent in staying with it, then gradually, you know, it's like, it's like you know, the clouds start to shift and part a little bit, and there's these moments when the light shines through. There are moments, right? Moments of ease, moments of stillness, moments of peace, moments when we're connected to the heart and the heart is free from its burdens. Moments. Moments. So we're asked out of love to recognize those moments. Maybe in any period of meditation, this is, you know, this is a very pragmatic teaching, right? All the Buddhist teachings are pragmatic. Maybe in any moment of meditation, after you've kind of really worked hard for 45 minutes or an hour, there's a moment or two moments of ease, of stillness, of peace. Maybe there's a moment of the finger snap when the heart is free from its burdens. Know those moments. As Dharma students, we're asked to recognize those moments, to have appreciation for those moments. Those moments are the fruits of our wholehearted resolve to love ourselves. So love will lead us to these fruits. So it's important to know the fruits of our ardency and to understand the goodness of these moments. Because, you know, our tendency is like a moment. You know, I've sat here for an hour, you know, and I've gone through all this torture for a moment of peace, a moment of stillness. The Buddha said, don't underestimate those moments. One moment of peace is greater than a thousand moments of non-peace. One moment of stillness is greater than a thousand moments of non-stillness. You know? These qualities of awakening transcend uh, you know, a standard set of weights and measurements. They transcend time. They're timeless qualities. So in our meditation, we resolve to be mindful of the breath out of love. So we have to understand what this means. They're, you know, they're words, right? What does it mean? Start to understand what this means. And our resolve in life is the same, right? Meditation is just practice for life. Just practice for life. So our resolve in life is the same. It's to love. It's to take action out of love, in support of love, in support of our wish to be happy. In meditation, we resolve to practice out of love, to stay with the breath, to not give in to the thoughts of love, to take action that leads us to those moments of ease, stillness, and peace, the fruits of the practice. In life, it's the same. You know, we resolve to do what we need to do to know ease and stillness and peace, a heart that's free from its burdens. And we make that effort in life to know those moments. 
We seek to know those moments of ease, stillness, peace, the moments when the heart's free. You know, when the heart is free, it's what does that mean? You know, it's free from aversion, desire, and delusion, at least to some extent. The degree to which it's free is the degree to which it's free from aversion, delusion, and desire, which largely manifest in thinking. So it's free from thinking. It's free from unskillful thinking. Unskillful thinking is a burden or a stain, as the Thai Ajans would say, on the heart. So we keep to our resolve, we keep making the effort to put aside desire, aversion, and delusion. You know, we practice ABC, we bring awareness to those states, we bring awareness to our attitudes, our moods, as we've been talking about so much in this group over the last several weeks. We keep to our resolve out of ardency to put aside thinking, to know those moments of ease, peace, stillness. We stay with it. You know, we stay with it in our practice, you know, in life. You know, we stay with it just like we learn to stay with it in the meditation. There's lots of ups and downs in life. Needless to say, right? There's lots of times when we lose our way. There's lots of times when I lose my way, believe me. There's lots of times when I lose my way. Yeah, but we learn as Dharma students, you know, it's not so much about, you know, not losing our way because, you know, we're going to lose our way because it's our habitual, those are our habitual, that's our past karma. There's not much that we can do about that. Uh, you know, we're doing everything that we can do, but we're still going to lose our way. But what we can do is respond with love and compassion and make it a learning experience and continue on and continue on with love. Just like in the meditation, we don't give up just because we lost our way during the meditation. We stay with it, right? We stay with it out of love. We stay with it out of love. If we continue to do that, then we begin to know those moments of ease and peace, those moments when the heart is free. So over time, we stay with it. You know, as I as I said, you know, it's you know the Labor Day weekend in New York, the change of seasons. You know, time is going on. There's a sense of urgency. You know, we have to continue to stay with it. There might be that tendency to say, ah, time is going on. You know, I just I can't do it in this lifetime. You know, when there's ardency, we continue to stay with it. We continue to stay with it. We maintain our ardency. We keep at it out of love. This is love. Love is keeping at it. It's keeping at it. Love is staying with it. We don't give in to our habitual tendencies or we make an effort to be ardent and not to give in to our habitual tendencies to the things that are keeping us from the heart. You know, we just keep making an effort to the best of our ability not to give in to that which is keeping us from the heart. Out of love, we keep at it. Out of love, we learn to know those moments. You know, out of love for yourself today, you, know, you can know those moments. And you can make an effort to know those moments. 
of ease, of stillness, of peace. Those moments when the heart is free. 